0: As we begin this afternoon, there's a song I like to play both at the Forgiveness Seminar and at, the, uh, at this seminar as well. And it just talks about, uh, it's called Arms of Love. And it comes from an album um, we normally have for sale at the back. Um, it's an album uh, done by the, the current senior pastor and his wife of Rock of Ages Church here, Brian and Val Tisdall. And you heard it a little bit earlier on this morning, parts of it. Um, But the song, I just want to, uh, you know, I want to, it emphasizes surrender uh, into the hands of Jesus, into the arms of Christ, Um, and how we bring God what we have, and how he deals with the unpleasantries in our lives. Uh, But uh, how do you put it? Holds on to us. So I'd like to play this for you. I'd like you to, you know, feel free to relax, close your eyes, listen to the words. Um, it's a good song, very devotional.
1: i've played but the boundaries had been laid and by fear and misconception the choices i had made now because the lord is honest truthful and just he patiently waits and he watches He's waiting for me to confess that I'm living on my own and he wants for me to kneel before him and let him take me home and he that me
0: almighty we thank you for your love for us thank you that you do very much what brian sings about in that song that you uh seek us out you take us you clothe us you crush the evil in our lives lord and you bless what is left father this is our prayer that we would be in your arms in this manner that we would know um, how deeply our sins have been forgiven and in, that in that reality, we may walk and live in the freedom you've called us to. So come, Lord, Holy Spirit. We love you. We ask that you will continue to teach us. We cover this place corner to corner, above and blow through and through in the blood of Jesus. Pierce this place, us, Lord. Lay us bare with the sword of your spirit. In Jesus' name. And bring us, Lord, to receive the mercy that we have need of. Bring us boldly in Jesus' name. Amen. Martin Luther, one of my favorite writers, uh, he said that the music is the most powerful pulpit because we proclaim our message somehow, each one of us. We each have a pulpit. We each have a platform, wherever that platform is, um, and uh, we use that platform to proclaim our message. And so Brian has done uh, an amazing uh, thing with this particular album. All right. I talked a little bit last night about catalytic event uh, in terms of they're basically a proclaim until something happens (laughs) type event. So we want to sit under the teaching of God's word in its power until something happens in our lives. And I see this happen so often in these events. This is like a little miniature Bible camp all squished together into a weekend. And, uh, you know, grandpa, when he used to talk to me, he used to say, you know, it takes more than one tap of the hammer you know, to get the point through the wood. And he was pointing at my head, you know, when he, when he said that, right? And so this is what we've been doing all, the, all this week, weekend here is tapping the old nail and driving the point home. And uh, um, God does amazing things. I remember I had one young fellow come to one of these events and uh, the more he sat through it, the more ticked off he got. And at, the, at, at each break, he'd beeline for me and sit down and tell me why I was wrong and this and that and the other thing. And I'm going, Lord, what do you want me to do? Shut up and listen. I'm not sure God used the word shut up and listen, but it was very close to that. Just be quiet. Just, just relax. Okay, so I listened to him. And at the end of the fourth session, uh, he comes up and he says, you know what? He says, I've just been arrogant and I'm sorry. He says, God has shown me that I'm just struggling with my pride. And, and on that last session, God broke his heart. And did a work of freedom in him. Amazing. So, you know, God does these kinds of things. uh, And I'm always amazed, you know, at what God does. You know, it reminds me of the time I was praying with somebody. Uh, You know, I was praying that the Holy Spirit would come upon him. And as I'm praying for the guy in front of me, my prayer partner is sitting over here. Suddenly my prayer partner, the Holy Spirit, lands on her. And I'm going... I'm pointing at him for crying out loud. What do I got, bad aim or what, you know? Gotta recalibrate, anyway. But, you know, God does what God does. And he knows what our hearts are, are like. And he knows the timing that we, you know, in terms of where we're at. And he sets these things up. And this is one of the things we learn how to walk with. You know, sometimes we, we people come to these catalytic moments and they, uh, the enemy sticks his voice in there and he says, look at your life for crying out loud. Now you're going to make it right, you know. And, and people get all grieve, start to grieve over what they've missed and what they've lost and what they you know, should have done. You know what? The devil's voice is a shoulda, woulda, coulda voice. It's an if-only voice. Because the devil uses that kind of accusation to say, uh, you know, your life's wasted. What do you think you're going to do now? You know, Jesus did nothing, apparently, other than carpentry for 30 years. And then in the last three years, the Holy Spirit said, it's time, and he started Jesus' ministry. And in those three years, all of history was changed. So, you know, never underestimate. Well, I don't know. That's a hard, hard thing to say, hard thing to live sometimes. I guess maybe I'll say it a different way. God can redeem everything. Amazing what God will redeem. So when we come to God and we give ourselves to him, you know, we simply give him what we have. And... Uh, uh, he washes it, and he redeems, and he uses us. So, I just want to you know encourage you. As we stepped out in this particular journey, this ministry came about um, um, was founded in the aftermath of a burnout or a nervous breakdown, is the old terminology for it for me. Because I didn't know how to walk by the power and the strength of of the Holy Spirit. I was out there living for Jesus. I wasn't letting him live through me. And you know, it's one thing to be told to go out and let him live through you. It's another thing to do it because we so easily take it up on our own strength. And so God teaches us. And the way he taught me is because I don't let go easy, (laughs) he had to let me finally snap. And uh, as I laid on my bed and I was recuperating from burnout he just came in and began to take care of me, my family, and he set this ministry in motion. And as I look back on the years and I see how he's taken care of us, it's been amazing. Um, And what lies before us is even more amazing. And over the years, I've lost part of my agenda. Oh, I'm going to do this for God, and this for God, and this for God, and this for God. And and now all I want to be... All I want to be is a hammer in the carpenter's hands. I just want to be his instrument for him to use. And he can make the decisions how and where and all that stuff. And I just want to, John five nineteen. I just want to do what the Father shows me. There's such freedom, such freedom in doing simply what the Father shows you and receiving from his hand what he gives. And I pray the same for each of you. So, Anyway, what I do is we uh, proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus, his love, his redemption, his power. And we equip believers for ministry. So we put tools in people's hands. Whatever you take from this place, my prayer, and I know that God will begin to use you to touch other lives. You know, I, I don't believe anymore. Even though I know that some of us have very special gifts, I know for me, this what you're studying here with me this weekend is 10 years of my life. Um, not always learned easy, so this is very sandwiched up. Very, you know, those of you who come to the EPM seminars, the Effective Prayer Ministry seminars, that's the next leg of the journey on from this seminar um, uh, and the and the forgiveness seminar. You will learn tools that. For me, again, I learned over 10 years. And for a while there, it got really complicated. And then I'm going like, forget this noise, Lord. It's got to be simple. And he says, yeah, well, if you'd let me lead, he says, it would be simple. And he brought it all back down to some very nice, simple basics. And, uh, but basics that have application for everyone. So we proclaim the gospel. We equip believers for ministry. Our goal, my dream um, uh, come true is to have people come back and say, what you gave that weekend, I was able to use. Um, I had one person come bouncing back into my life after one of these weekends, and, and he just looks at me and says, it works! What do you, what do you, what do you mean? It works! <laughs> I prayed with somebody and it works. All right, that's great. So, so anyway, so uh, I, I just want to thank you for coming here. I want to thank you for being a part of this. I want to thank you for receiving what we have to give. And I want to bless you as you go out and share that with others in the way that God leads you to share. Um, Okay. We finished off on page 39. I just wanted to touch on discerning demonic influence. Uh, First one says, ask for the gift of discernment. There is a supernatural gift. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. This gift cannot be used by anyone who is not filled by the Holy Spirit. If you read Paul, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, as listed in 1 Corinthians 12, are manifested by the Spirit. They're not abilities that we've been given. I've had the odd person say, yes, I have the gift of discernment. Really? Um, tell me about yourself. Well, you know, um, this, this, this. Do you have a relationship with Christ? You've been filled with the Holy Spirit? No. Well, then you don't have the gift of discernment. Not the, not the way this is talking about it. There's lots of people that see what they think are ghosts. There's lots of people that see what they think are spirits. That is not a gift of discernment. I remember going to a house one time, I got called in, uh, me and a couple of my elders in my first church, and we were to go and clear ghosts out of a house. I said, there are no ghosts, it's demons. Why would demons masquerade as ghosts? Why? Well, it's simple, so you won't chuck them out. You know, I mean, who wants to chuck grandpa into the hot place, you know what I mean? So, you know, as long as he's masquerading as grandpa, he gets to stay and harass people. There is no ghost, when it comes down to biblical reality, there's demons, As for us, when we die, the scripture says it's appointed for us once to die, then to stand judgment. And so that means we will go and face God. Um, And we'll be judged uh, based on our faith in Christ. Either into heaven, uh, if we have said yes to Christ, because we've received his forgiveness. Or out of heaven, because we've refused his forgiveness and decided to walk the walk on our own, carry our own guilt. But there there, there are no ghosts. Uh, What we oftentimes term as ghosts are demons that are impersonating ghosts. It's a deception. So anyway, uh, this couple, as they called us in to pray over this house, we had a very good experience. They weren't convinced they were ghosts. I said, well, we're going to treat them like demons, and, th- and if they are demons, they'll act like demons. And if they're not demons, then they won't act like demons, okay? So when we prayed, we commanded them to go. Uh, they went. The house was clean. No more apparitions floating around. There were three apparitions in that place. They were all gone permanently. Uh, But this couple, uh, they they'd come out of the New Age background and they had been working at trying to sense spirits and they had developed what they thought were discerning gifts. And they could see and they could hear these spirits. But what they were seeing and hearing was a deception. Gifted discernment as given by the Holy Spirit will give an accurate understanding of what you are dealing with in terms of demonic uh, power. So... It's not something you would generate, it's only something you ask for and something God gives. And I have to be honest with you, there have been times for me as I minister in this area that I experience the gift of discernment, God gives it to me. There have been times when I've been out with some of my team members and one of the team members get, gets the gift of discernment. And the way I sort of picture it is this, it's like having a big old howitzer. You know what a howitzer is? It's a big artil- artillery gun, eh? big artillery piece. And the person with the gift of discernment is the sight. Now, if you don't have the gun sight on top of that, you're just blasting. You know what I mean? But if you've got a sight on it, you can lock yourself on target and you can do, do effective damage. Well, that's what the gift of discernment does. It puts you on target. Secondly, look to the fruit. When I encounter crest, uh, confessing Christians whose lives are filled with bad fruit, I know that the enemy is given a foothold. You know, you don't just believe what people say. Abusers do this all the time. I love you. I love you. And then when you go, okay... Then they go and they keep abusing you. Give me a break. People say they're Christians and they're busy blowing each other away because, they got the wrong, because people got the wrong beliefs. You know, we see some of these uh, countries where there's been, inter, uh, there's, been, there's been actual killing between Christian groups because of their differing belief systems. These are not Christians. Religious, yes, but not Christ followers. So you want to look at the fruit. Uh, does the fruit uh, show bondage or freedom? You know, again, you'll get people that'll claim, well, yeah, I'm free in Christ, and yet they're chained to all kinds of addictions. Um, there could be demonic issues there. Um, the fruit will show it. Jesus says, you'll know a person by its fruit. You'll know a tree by its fruit. Uh, you may run into people who have no joy, little testimony, no demonstration uh, of the fruit of the Spirit that would draw people to Christ. Um, and so they may be right. They demand their right but they have no fruit, nothing that draws people, nothing that shows the, the, the presence of Christ. Um, such bondage in the lives of believers is not just simple flesh or spiritual immaturity. The devil is simply is involved as well. And they need ministry aimed at breaking their bondage um, uh, so that they can begin to walk in freedom. Okay, I want to give you a couple of more points. Uh, some of the other things, and you'll get more of this in EPM 2 if you come to it. Well... Seeing demonic, demonic influence, I mentioned already a little bit today in some of the stories. Um, you might run into somebody, and yesterday as well, and they have something that's not diagnosable by a doctor, like it resists diagnosis, you know. It resists conventional treatment. Uh, you cannot medicate a demon. You can, however, medicate a body so it's basically useless for a demon to use. And the demon is really happy at that point because he's just robbed one other person of a chance at a good life. So anyway, um, sometimes stuff that is demonic, it doesn't respond to conventional treatment. The other thing is weird timing. So oftentimes I ask people, I said, when did this start? What was going on in your life? Well, there's this huge trauma, blah, blah, blah. I had uh, my own son who was afflicted by a spirit of fear. And I asked him, so when did this start? And he says... um, well, when I was six years old, and I watched Jurassic Park. Park, And he'd been hiding this from me, and he'd been living with night terrors every night of a Tyrannosaurus Rex getting ready to eat him. And, you know, you think, oh, give me a break. It's just bad dreams, it's just night terrors. You know what? In that moment of trauma, a demonic power, a spirit of fear, touched my boy's life. I said, okay, you want to get rid of it? Yep. Okay, let's pray. Dear Jesus, confess and renounce that event, that movie, what came to me and touched me, that fear that I've lived with since then, I give it to you. I renounce it in Jesus' name. Okay, spirit of fear, I command you to go for my boy in Jesus' name. Poof, gone. That was the end of the fear. Um, so in that case, and again, not, not every case, but in that case certainly, it was just interesting that his, this fear showed up specifically at the time of that trauma in his life that that old movie uh, had given him. So, you know, those are just a little bit of uh, notes on discerning, uh, introductory notes on discerning demonic influence. The other thing that can't be overstated enough, I suppose, is practice. Walking together. When we do deliverance work, we always do it in teams. For me, I was blessed with a mentor that had an amazing gift of discernment, and and we just walked together, and we learned together, and our gifts were honed with practice. And so there's an element of just learning uh, to pray with people. You know, how, you know how I got into praying for deliverance. Uh, I I started mentoring with a guy who did that kind of work, and then my wife started saying to me, "You know, you got enough uh, practice now. Hang out your shingle and start doing it." I don't really want to do that. <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if I know enough, whatever else. Well, God decided differently because I began to, as I mentored with, uh, with my, my mentor, I, I just started this new ministry and I went on the road too, so I'd be out speaking. And suddenly in my meetings, manifestations begin to happen. And I remember one of the first meetings I had, there was a young lady sitting right down here. And in the middle of the, the message, she just sort of went catatonic. She just sat there like this and stared in a space. And afterwards, we did a little bit of prayer time. Anyone wants prayer? People came forward to prayer. And she just sat there. And I thought to myself, yeah, I'm going to go check this out. Take the altar call into the pews. You know what I mean? So I went and I sat down and I, sat, I looked at her and I said, what's on your heart? Good opening line. What's on your heart? She just sat there and sti- stared over my shoulder. And she said... I'm cold on the top and hot on the bottom. Now that's weird to me. So I said, okay. Touch her on the top. Ooh, just like she came out of a refrigerator. Touch her on the leg. Mm-hmm. Body temperature. Not, uh, not hot, but body temperature. But cold up top. That's weird. I said, do uh, you want to do some prayer? Because I think maybe God... Has some stuff he wants to do in your life. I think you need deliverance. She stares over my shoulder. Yeah. Okay. I put her through a little bit of uh, homework. I give her a little bit of a confessional sheet. And I said, we're going to pray through this. You fill us out. We're going to put all this in the hands of Jesus. Okay. The next two days, as she did this little bit of homework, I was at this event. It was a multi-day event. She just sat there and stared blankly into space. Sat there at lunch. Just blank. Weird. And as we prayed with her, she was set free, and all the life came back. So then I, I went from the, that event, and I came back, and I went to my mentor, and I said, this is happening now. What the heck is going on? He says, well, you've started to do this with me. He says, you're starting to see what's been in front of your eyes all the time, but you've never seen it before. And God's giving you a new anointing because now you're starting to walk in this. So God begins to erase the awareness he begins to give you a new sensitivity as you step out in this area. And interestingly enough, again, like I say, I didn't get into this uh, voluntarily so much as God began to set up these encounters and draw me into it. So don't go looking for this kind of encounter. If God wants to use you, he'll draw you into it. But these tools then will be here for you as you get drawn into it. Okay. The call to repent and believe. I teach this. This is one of my hammers, eh? This is one of my multi-use tools right here. The call to repent and believe I teach at every seminar I will ever teach, very likely. At least every seminar I currently teach. In deliverance ministry, in dealing with the demonic, everything always comes back to this again and again and again. The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And so this is Mark chapter 115. This is just after Jesus was baptized he was driven into the wilderness and he was tested for 40 days by the devil. Having overcome the devil, he came out of the wilderness preaching this message The time has come, the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 1 through 4, if you read those four chapters, four times he says, The kingdom is more than just words, it's power. It's power. So when you pray as Jesus taught you to pray and you pray, Lord, thy kingdom come, you are saying, Lord, your power, your authority, your rule and reign come here in this place as it is in heaven. This is why Jesus, when he came to people, he said, you know, the kingdom of God has come near to you. It's the power of God to transform a life. So we are talking about the kingdom of God coming near. He says, repent and believe the good news. He didn't say, repent and beat yourself up. He says, repent and believe the good news. Quit trusting yourself. The way you have walked your life to this point, it's time to be done with it. Put yourself in my hands. Your, your sins are forgiven. Come and walk with me. That's the good news. Well, I want to just share with you a little bit of the dynamics of repent and believe. Repent and believe, remember, this is a both and. And you have to be careful about this because sometimes in the church, we can get into groups of people where we only emphasize repentance. And if all you emphasize is repentance, all you see is what's wrong with you. You're bad this, you're bad this, you're bad this, you're bad this, you've got to get rid of this, can't do this, can't do this, got to turn away from that. It becomes very legalistic. And it's no wonder people, after a while, they, they walk away from this stuff because they can't handle all condemnation. Can't do anything. You end up living in fear all the time because, my gosh, maybe I'm doing something wrong I've got to turn away from. On the other hand, we can also get a hold of groups like this who are, you know, believe. Oh, believe. Let's believe this. Let's positive confess this. Let's proclaim this into existence. Let's whatever else. A lot a lot of angry people come out of this, this kind of group right here. Well, a lot of angry people come out of that too, but very angry people come out of this. Because they're trying to believe. They're trying to actuate. They're trying to create their own reality. And guess what? You aren't God. Neither am I. And because I just decide I'm going to believe something doesn't make it true. And yet we live in a society that says, if you believe it, it's legitimate. It's not the case. Jesus called us to repent and believe. These are two sides of the same coin. If you take away this, you take away this. The two of them are joined to each other. So, okay, what does it mean to repent and believe? Let's break it down a little bit. Repent and believe means to confess your sin. Remember, sin is the stuff that breaks the relationship. Sin is the stuff that blocks you from Christ. Um, You've got to confess it. What do you do when you confess your sin? Well, according to a buddy of mine who comes out of uh, uh, N.A., he says, uh, you get honest. You get real. You take responsibility. You say, this sin is my sin. Okay? Does that make you ready to be free? Not necessarily. I want to tell you the story about the salmon, uh, the clairvoyant salmon fisherman. Clairvoyant Salmon Fisherman was a guy that I met a number of years ago. And I call him the Clairvoyant Salmon Fisherman because he said he had special gifts. He could read people psychically. Um, And he was a salmon fisherman because that's what he was. He was a good old redneck who poached salmon on some of those BC rivers. Uh, And he came to me one day and he said, "Um, I want to be uh, free of something. He says, I live with torment in my dreams and he says, uh, I want to be done with it. And I hear that you, you can cast out demons. And I said, well, the short story is yes. Um, and we'll let go with that. They, they can be cast out. So I said, there's only, there's only one problem. Everything associated with these dreams, everything associated with this, you have to be willing to give up. You have to be willing to put your life in the hands of Christ. Because remember... Freedom comes from Christ. Paul says, uh, there is no foundation other than Jesus Christ. So, you have to be willing to lay the foundation of a relationship with Jesus. You have to be willing to let go whatever it is you get from this. Now, that takes us into the second part. Repent means to confess your sin. This means to renounce the benefit As soon as I said to this gentleman, "You got to be willing to renounce the benefit. You got to be willing to get to give up everything associated with this place of torment in your life," he said, uh, "I don't think so. What do you mean?" He says, "I just want the bad dreams to go away." And I knew I was onto something because the bad dreams. You see, the way the devil does things, the devil does things this way. There you go. There you go. There's my donkey. Okay. You know what that is? A donkey, right? And what's he doing? There's a guy riding him, making him work all day by holding a carrot out in front of him. The carrot is the benefit. The donkey will sweat and labour all day in the hot sun for the sake of getting that stupid carrot. So, who does the work? The donkey. For what? Doesn't make sense to me, but all for a carrot, right? The devil, what the devil does is the devil offers us, when he comes to us to get us to be sinners, (coughs) he offers us a benefit. That's what he did with Adam and Eve. He says, you know, if you bite this, you can become like God. There's a benefit to all this. God's holding back the benefit on you. Oh, that makes sense to us. So they bite the fruit and they lost their relationship with God. What's the benefit? Every sin carries a benefit. And a lot of times, what we find, what I find with people, is a lot of times people don't really want to change. See, this is what my mentor used to say. He said, Boyd, when you're dealing with this, remember that there has to be a willingness to change. This is what you're listening to in people a willingness to change. So people come with their pain, people come with their sins, and guess what? The sin creates the pain. But they just want the pain to go away, but they want to keep the benefit of their sin. Do you know what I mean? So I'm sitting here with my hammer, and I'm whacking myself in the head with my hammer, right? And I'm going like, ow, this hurts. And Jesus says, time to repent and believe. You don't need the hammer whacking yourself in the head anymore. Stop it. Yeah, but Lord, I I, I like, I mean, I'm sort of used to it. It sort of gives me a focus for my days. You know, as long as I'm focused on this, I don't have to worry about other stuff. I don't want to get done with this. I just want the pain to go away. Oh, I just hit myself. Jesus is going, you can't take the pain away without stopping the behavior. Do you know what I mean? When you confess your sins, I confess that I'm whacking myself in the head with a hammer and I'm ready to renounce the benefit, which can be the identity that I take in that activity. That renunciation has to happen before freedom can happen. Um, Let's draw this here just a little bit. This guy, my clairvoyant salmon fisherman, he fessed up. I asked him, I said, what's the benefit of your sin that you don't want to give up? And he said this, I have a gift. And he says, I can psychically read people. I can read people's mail. I forget. I think he just said, I can read people. And he said, I, uh, he says, look at me. He says, I'm, I'm not that attractive. And he wasn't. In fact, he was downright ugly. Um... You know, and he knew it, (laughs) He's pretty honest. He didn't take care of him well, you know, uh, teeth rotting out of his head. He just looked rough, you know what I mean? So uh, anyway, he says, look at me, I'm not that attractive. He says, but when I do this, women give themselves to me. I'm not willing to give that up. See, what I was asking him to do (laughs) is renounce the benefit See, because tied into his clairvoyance, tied into this ability that he had, he had this this benefit, this carrot right here. This benefit. In order to keep that benefit, what did he trade to the devil? All of this in here, he traded the torment that came with the sin. That's how the devil keeps us enslaved. He holds out a benefit, and we trade him torment for benefit. To get rid of it, to get rid of the torment, you have to be willing to get rid of the benefit. Now, you'd think that everybody who knows uh, that there's freedom to be had would be willing to get rid of the benefit. But my clairvoyant salmon fisherman was not willing. He said, what? I'll keep the dreams. Forget it. And he left. When you come to repent and believe, This is the life change Jesus calls us to. To confess and to renounce the benefit. To confess the sin, renounce the benefit. And that doesn't make us free, but it positions us to be free. What that does is it leaves us at the mercy of God. Now, to believe, believe has two elements too. It means to understand who you're believing in. You know, when uh, my buddy Dale, I first met him, he came into uh, into my life and he said, Phone me up one day, I want to do my step five, which is an extreme confession. For those of you who know the twelve step process, step four you you write out all your sins. Step five, you find somebody to tell it to, to do this major confession to. And Dale come to me and he he does this amazing confession. And he's just ready to be done. He's renounced all the benefits. I don't care if I get any of these benefits ever again. I'm just ready to be done. And I said, okay, Dale. My gosh, like what he confessed, I, I'm shaking my head. I'm going, how do you want me to respond to this? Because, like, is there some kind of formulaic approach or what do you want? He says, no, just the way that you feel led. I said, okay, well, to do this, I don't know how to fix you, but I know who, somebody who can. And his name is Jesus. And I'm going to have to explain to Jesus. I'm going to explain, we're going to have to talk about Jesus. And Dale's response was very interesting. He says, I have a higher power. I said, Dale, well, there's a power higher than your higher power you understand that if you create your own higher power, if I look at this suit over here and decide that it's going to be my God and I will pray to it, I've just created my own God. And guess what? This, by definition of me creating it, is less powerful than I am. So how is it going to help me? We want to put ourselves into the hands of the God that is above and beyond us, that is greater than our, our own strength. And so I said, Dale... His name is Jesus. Can I talk with him? And as I explained who Jesus was, and I ex- remember went through this little talk a little bit earlier on. The one who came to restore us, died on the cross, rose from the dead, sent it into heaven, sends his spirit to those that whoever believes in him, he lives in them, he gives them eternal life. Does that make sense to you? And Dale, you just watched all his lights go on and he says, yeah, that makes sense to me. Okay, Dale. The only one thing left is to enter the relationship. Do you, are you ready to do that? Do you want to do that? Yeah, I do. Okay, well, we do that by praying. I don't know how to pray. That's all right. I can help you. Words are like a bucket. You pour your heart into them, hand them to God. We're just going to pray about what we just talked about. And Dale prayed a simple prayer like this. Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you died for my sins. and I also believe you rose from the dead and you live to pour out your spirit upon those who will trust you. I give you my sins. I accept your forgiveness. Come into my life and be to me who you want to be. I say to you that you are my God and I worship you. And Dale walked out of there a new man. And uh, he was the beginning of a bunch of really interesting stuff. Some of you met him here earlier on this morning. He was the big guy that was sitting out against the back wall. Dale came to understand who Jesus was, but there's one step beyond understanding. Because the Pharisees in Jesus, they understood, who, uh, understood all the theological right stuff too. But they never went to the place of trust. Repent and believe. To believe in some means, you understand who they are at least enough to trust them with your life. Now, you know, some of you have been married. Uh, when you stood before the preacher and you said yes, did you really know who you were marrying No, but you knew enough to trust them with your life to take the next step. And that's what you're doing with God. God who's shown himself to us in Jesus. You're saying, Lord, I'm ready to trust you. I'm ready to renounce the benefit of walking my own way, doing my own life by my own strength for my own purposes, and I'm ready to trust you with my life. And Jesus steps in and he sets us free. So the question that I have for you, You know, maybe you find yourself uh, struggling, you know, in terms of your own walk of surrender. Here's the question for you. What is the benefit of your sin? Make a list. My sin. Write the sin out. There you go. Right there. And then say, what do I get from this sin? You got to be honest with yourself. Do I really want to get rid of the sin? Or do I just want the pain to go away? Because if you don't get rid of the sin, the pain ain't going away. If you're ready to get rid of the benefits, you can be free. And that's the next question. What's the benefit? Second question is, are you ready to be done with it?